Greetings. <laughs> this is episode five. Can't believe we're still doing this. We are. Um, episode five of Yoga People Problems. And if you listened last week, I talked about um, <clears throat> that I gave you some homework to do. And if you didn't do it, that's fine because we'll talk about it. <laughs> but I really wanted to talk about the um, Netflix documentary Wild Wild Country that is out. And um, if you're not familiar, it's about the cult surrounding um, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who um, is known as Osho. So a lot of people don't know uh, Rajneesh, but they know Osho because there's lots of books out about him or his teachings. And people may think that he's like a, a Zen Buddhist uh, teacher, but he's not. Uh, and actually, he's dead. <laughs> he's been dead since uh, early 90s, I think, late 80s. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so the documentary was interesting. Um, I guess if you haven't watched it, I might be some, I might talk about some spoilers, I guess. But it's nothing that, like, you can't find out by looking at, like, Wikipedia, probably. But um, I really was fascinated with the documentary. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with cult documentaries in of themselves because I just think there's been um, a lot of people, including myself, really got into yoga because um, maybe the religion we were brought up in didn't give us the answers we were seeking or it seemed like it was lacking in somehow or maybe the people who practice the religion of your upbringing um didn't tend seem to live by their own rules that they uh, put on to other people and that can leave people feeling jaded or um and i think you know people get involved in in cults or even just becoming seekers <laughs> because uh, they're looking for something. They feel like something's missing. Um, and I really found this interesting because, um, I mean, back to me, <laughs> I own this, I only own one um, Osho <laughs> related literature piece of literature and it's a tarot deck which is funny because when you think of like and it's called Osho Zen Tarot and I was like I don't know where divination fits in in Buddhism and I don't I don't think Osho is a Buddhist I, I judging by from what I've seen he combines a lot of eastern um eastern uh philosophy so you know, a little bit of a little bit of Vedic, a little bit of Bhagavad Gita, a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of Buddha. <laughs> you know, just kind of picking different stuff. And um, and so I had this tarot deck because when I was in my early twenties, I was really into uh, fortune telling. And, and I know now a lot of that is born from like, I thought like if I could figure out like what was going to happen, I would be able to deal with shit better. Um, and, uh, we all know that's not true <laughs> now. Um, and I remember, so in, in the deck, if you don't know anything about tarot, 
there's there's a lot of different systems, but there's kind of like a typical rider, what they call like a rider weight system, where it's like there's 78 cards, there's this many majors, there's this many minors, this many court cards, and, you know, there's also having to deal with like is is strength number, the card number eight, or is justice number 11, and sometimes they switch the two. Um, so yeah, you don't need to know all that, but in this particular Osho deck, <clears throat> there so it's 78 cards and you know all the typically I mean all the names are changed there's not like a you know there's not a death card it's called transformation of course sorry I'm drinking coffee again at noon okay and so it's got the typical 78 cards but there's an extra card called the master and I remember when I got this deck, again, this was, God, 16 years ago. I didn't know anything about Osho. Um, but the MasterCard is just a picture of him. And I remember looking at it and he looked creepy to me. And it's just a picture of his face, his long beard and... He's got a moon over his head and it's sparkling down on his face. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember reading the, the excerpt and being like, what? <laughs> uh, and I, I took the, I took the card out. I still have the card. It's just like in the box. And I used this deck all the time. And I always found it, I always actually found the deck really helpful because, you know, rather than fo being focused on divination, it was just kind of like you drew these cards that were kind of like Eastern philosophy concepts. And it was really helpful. I mean, there, like, there were times in my, in my early 20s where, you know, I didn't really feel that connection to Christianity. I grew up in a very Christian uh, family. I mean, my dad was kind of Methodist. Um, I don't, I don't actually know if he was religious. It was just like, you just go to church because that's what you do. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, I think he was more of that, like, that's just what you do. So if you want to be good, just do that. And, and my mom's family was a little bit different, but um, I just... You know, where a lot of people were, you know, maybe if they felt lost, they would pray. I literally like this, this tarot deck, because it seemed like the last, I don't know, it, it was just like, I can only, you know, compare it to prayer almost of, of being like, I don't know what to do, like. I'll do whatever this deck of cards tells me to do, which as I talk about it, it feels like embarrassing. But I think a lot of people are like that. You know, I mean, have you ever been at a point where you're like, I'll flip a coin, I'll do what the coin <laughs> tells me to do? Um, yeah, but I, I never, um, I never used the master card, but, um, when I read the description of it, it kind of freaks me out. Um, the mass, uh, this is what it says. The master in Zen is not a master over others, but a master of himself. 
His every gesture and his every word reflect his enlightened state. He has no private goals, no desire that anything should be other than the way it is. His disciples gather around him not to follow him, but to soak up his presence and be inspired by his example. In his eyes they find their own truth reflected, and in his silence they fall more easily into the silence of their own beings. The master welcomes the disciples, not because he wants to lead them, but because he has so much to share. Together they create an energy field that supports each unique individual in finding his or her own light. If you can find such a master, you are blessed. If you cannot, keep on searching. Learn from the teachers and the would-be masters and move on. Keep on moving. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing about this, the documentary about Osho, Osho is, you know, it kind of, it kind of portrays this sunny picture. Like, like it kind of, there's all these things they did that, you know, and, and the, the interview, the interviews of the people who are former members of the cult were all the, the people in the leadership. Like, they never interviewed anyone who just kind of, like, came in and about their experience. And, and on one hand, they're saying, like, well, everything we did was legal as far as, like, you know, they kind of infiltrated this town and, and changed the name to Rajneeshpuram and made, like, a city council and all this stuff. And they made it out to be a little bit like, well, these were old intolerant um, people <laughs> that... Um, you know, didn't want our cult around, not our cult, they didn't call it a cult, but they didn't want us around because we were different. And, um, and, you know, they talked a little bit about Osho's kind of beliefs that, you know, he was going to create a new man. So like the, the materialism, the wealth of, of the Western man, but the philosophy of the Eastern man. And he's driving these Rolls Royces and he's got a private plane and an airport and he has all this wealth. He has the wealth that they can build this city, you know, just in a very short amount of time. And the documentary never talks about how they got all that money, (laughs) you know, and that was the whole time I was watching it. I was like, what? Where are you getting this money for your hundred Rolls Royces? Because even if all these followers like gave you everything they owned, it's I don't think it would be enough to get all that stuff. Um, and the documentary never covers that. And it also kind of views the cult through the eyes, again, of the people in the leadership who probably had their own set of rules that maybe they didn't have to do stuff that other people did. Um, and then... So I, I don't know if you guys follow Matthew Rimsky. Um, he has a lot of really great articles that he's written on this kind of cult, uh, cult, uh, 
kind of like, I don't, it's not a trend. I can't think of the right word, but, but kind of like this pattern that we have in yoga communities of like gurus and, um, people who seek and, and all this stuff, you know, I'm sure from his own experiences with teachers and, um, he kind of brought my attention to, it was an article in the new Republic and I'll post the link in the show notes um, basically talking about how they got their money and, and we know from court records of people who were arrested that typically you were a prostitute. If you didn't want to be a prostitute, you were a drug smuggler. And, um, and the women were often some of the like deprogram that deprogramming that was done was that, you know, and they talk about in the film, like, Oh, they were having orgies all the time. And, or, you know, that's where the neighbors were complaining that it sounded like animals, you know, up there. And that was a lot of that, that they pushed women into, or, or basically told them like, if you're not freely giving of your body, then you're cold and frigid and selfish and, um, you know, so basically priming women to, to become prostitutes, right? So it's like if you've already, and they actually had stories of women who were ordered to have sex with every man in the group. And, it, and it's like, well, of course, if, if you've been forced to have sex with every person in the group, um, which was, you know, I think over th- thousands, a-, a lot of people in that community, um, then probably prostitution doesn't feel like a far stretch. And so I think a lot of people, um, what's hard with cults sometimes is that people are like, well, you're an adult, you could have left at any time. But, you know, when you've given someone all your money, and I'm sure you've already done and seen horrible things. I can see where you feel trapped. And also, if you're believing that this quote-unquote master, the master, <laughs> is going to help heal you in some way, then, you know, it's, you feel stuck, even though you feel like, well, I would think, I've never experienced this myself, but that you would feel like, even if I don't feel really good about this and it doesn't feel right, you know, this is just what I have to do. And, um, yeah, and after, you know, this, oh, and another thing I was going to say is also in the New Republic article, it talks about children in in the group and you may you don't really hear a lot of talk about the children there in that like once you reach I think the age of five or so you're you're actually forced to live away from your parents and that you're considered to belong to the commune so you kind of just wander around freely And there were reports in the article about children being injured because, as you know, it was just like a large construction site. Um, 
and then also, you know, um, allegations of, of sexual abuse because children belong to the commune. If you were at the commune and you were pregnant, you were told to get an abortion or you were kicked or you were told to leave. So they really didn't want children there at all. And, <clears throat> and as you know, like uh, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, he is no longer uh, alive. But the Osho Foundation is very much alive. They're putting out new books all the time. I have been in yoga classes in the last, I would say, year and a half where someone has read an Osho quote. (laughs) I read an Osho quote before I knew about this. So I think that's why I talk about it because I'm like, I'm as much a, a part of that. So I'm not trying to get on like a high horse because... I, you know, and it's like, well, how convenient is it that after all this shit happened and he was deported from the U.S. because people in his group, uh, which I think it was directed by him, they never say that, but they were trying to poison a lot of people. They succeeded in poisoning a lot of people. They tried to murder a U.S. attorney, um, a lot of other things. He was deported and then conveniently changed his name. And so his followers put out books of, of his uh, teachings to this day. You can still go to the Osho Foundation and go to these retreats and all that stuff. Um... I believe in India. I think there's still Osho Foundation places all over the world. Um, So, yeah. Um, It's interesting. I still have my Osho Zen Tarot, and I don't know what I want to do with it. But it's like when I read... (laughs) When I read the, the cards, like knowing in the context of of what this person stood for and the, the harm that was done to people. It's like, ugh. like there's a lot of stuff about conditioning and how society conditions us to be sheep and, and how sex is the lowest form of love. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you have a cult where you're trying to make money off of prostitution and you're going to teach people that sex is the lowest form of love to get them to have sex more so you can make money off of them. Hmm. But, like, if you don't know that stuff, you're just like, yeah, sex is the lowest form of love. It's about compassion. Which, I don't know, I, sex, sex feels really intimate to me, um, but everybody's different. <laughs> um, and I just think, like, I think we're at a time, maybe, in the yoga yoga world where we're really addressing... Um, really just all, all this like leadership stuff. So all this stuff is coming out about Patabi Joyce. Um, and enough people have come forward for me, you know, I believe them. 
enough women and enough men who have said, I've seen him touching women inappropriately. I've seen him confronted about it. I've seen, I've, I've seen people and heard people say, Hey, quit touching people's vaginas. And he's like, okay. And then he'll quit for a while and then start doing it again. So, um, And even Iyengar, there's so many reports. I mean, he didn't sexually assault anyone, but he was very, he hit his students. <laughs> like, um, and there's so many people who will just be like, eh, well, it's a cultural thing. And I'm like, I, I think that's very, uh, I think that's a shitty thing to say about a culture. You're saying a culture is naturally violent. I don't, I don't think that. You know, um, I think that's an excuse people give. So there's a lot of things just, just coming out about our teachers and, and I, and I think, you know, going back to my, my yoga process, my yoga practice, I, um, you know, was kind of like really into Baptiste yoga. I still am like a teacher came in and taught like the journey into power. And it's so crazy how like your muscle memory of just like, Oh, I I remember this sequence. I remember things that were said and like I, and it takes you back to that time and place where, um, it's like these movements, these words, the, the way that I'm being touched, like all these things, like, like yoga assist being touched, not in a weird way, um, or in an inappropriate way, <laughs> but it kind of takes you back to that place of like, oh, when I first started practicing and it was just like this feeling, this feeling I would get of like, oh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm doing this sequence all the time and I'm getting better at it and I'm feeling stronger and, and I'm able to, to do more and I feel great. Like there's that part of it. Um, but I got to a point, you know, where I wasn't really teaching in that style anymore. And, you know, it's like added music and I went to this other training and we're, you know, it's kind of like creative sequencing and like doing all this stuff and kind of getting away from the original thing that I liked so much. And so it was, it was kind of like around when I moved back to Arkansas about a year and a half ago or a year and I guess it's a year and two months, um, that I started, I kind of just practiced Baptiste for a while. Like I would get podcasts of Baptiste teachers and would practice that. And then, and then I realized, well, one of Baron's teachers, Baron Baptiste teachers was Patabi Joyce. So maybe I should practice Ashtanga primary series. And I practiced Ashtanga primary series for about a year. Not that I could do all of it. It's still fucked. Like I had to take out some stuff cause it just jacks up my knees and oh, anyway, <laughs> and my hamstrings. Um, and then it was, but that was good because I kind of was like, Oh, I, I can see how, you know, he Baptiste made his sequence cause he kind of took like, the primary series and he's like, okay, not so many folds. Let's put in some belly down back bends. Let's put in some intermediate, uh, series poses and like pepper in some other stuff. 
and make it all into a sequence where it's like, okay, we're building and then we're kind of coming down this mountain. And it, and it's, it was kind of genius. You kind of saw like, oh, here's the intelligence behind it. And I'm not, I'm not saying like Baron Baptiste is like yoga God or whatever, but it, it gave me an appreciation for what he did. <clears throat> and, and it's really left me with like, you know, me needing to figure out, like, what's my yoga? It's great to practice under these systems. And, and even when you think about these different systems, like, you know, Baptiste or Ashtanga, like, they're, they're still mostly, like, different sequences of movement, (laughs) which is not all of yoga, like, Yoga is much more than that. Um, but I think there's been a lot of that of feeling like, well, I can't. <laughs> I can't just throw in whatever I want. And, and the thing is, is like, I can't. <laughs> it's like you have, like, what is this? When you think of Vinyasa Krama, as we know it mostly I'm not saying he's the only one who's done it but how it's been popularized is the way in which he taught it and so we're all doing variants of that and so like a thing that I maybe have been doing the past two weeks is just um and I don't think it's like a very (laughs) I don't think it's like a groundbreaking concept but just being like okay I'm gonna warm up do some sun salutations and then be done with them and then do poses and then chant and meditate and but I'm not even really married to that so I'm in a I'm in a place where I'm trying to figure out what the Lauren what the Lauren system is and and it's and maybe that's what you're always trying to do but I think like, if you've ever been trained in like a, a thing that kind of has some rules that you're, you're like, you're constantly readdressing what are the rules. The things that I think are rules are really just what some old guy said. And it's not, it has nothing to do with the truth. It has nothing to do with what yoga is. It's just what worked for that person. Um, and, and it's been really helpful for me because I think, you know, going back to the original kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, like when you're a seeker, you're trying to find, you're trying, it's almost like you're trying to find someone else's system that will work for you. And, and sometimes you end up buying books from people who run cults (laughs) and it sucks. It sucks to be like, oh, I'm in my seeking to get away from oppressive uh, religion or spirituality. I've roped myself into another oppressive spirituality or religion. So um, that's me right now. Just trying to figure out what my yoga practice is. That can be independent of a system. And if it's independent from a system, does it, can it still be legit? 
is there even a way to make a new system? Like has every, every thought, every, um, has it all been done before? Are we just appropriating other people's systems? I don't know. I mean, my, I guess my last thought on this is I feel throughout my practice of yoga, there's been this emphasis on finding a teacher and maybe that's something in the culture or that's something I put on myself, but that like I, if I didn't have this relationship with a teacher that I wasn't like legit (laughs) and I'm not talking about like, Oh, I really like this lady's flow class. so I'm going to go to her flow class, you know, and I've had teachers that I really like, but, but almost, I, I think in the West there, there's certain things we do have to modify for that. I don't know if that system works here with the current culture in that where it's like, oh, find a guy or a gal that is the master at this and they'll teach you their ways and then they're your teacher and then you can like call them up and ask them questions or whatever or go to them and, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know a model for that that exists that's where I am. So I think, you know, it's like we're all in this kind of dilemma or maybe I'm in the dilemma no one else is that it's like I have to figure out of course read books of course go to classes you know learn new things but I have to figure out my own way and I can see where seeking other people to have a perfect system that's going to work for me and change my life has been detrimental to me, very disempowering. And I'm not saying don't ever learn new information, don't ever seek out new information. Um, But also that the constant seeking for the person who's going to fill that void is what gets us in situations like cults. Maybe. Or at least just, you know, maybe maybe you're not in a yoga cult. Maybe you're just in, like, it's one of those cult of personality things. Like, uh... I don't know. I even, I even read an article. It's like, how do you tell the difference between a cult and just a regular group? And, and typically it has to do with, like, are you isolated from other people? And are you allowed to leave whenever you want? <laughs> And no one's going to, like, come after you. So, um, yeah, and I think sometimes even our little, our yoga systems, there can be, there can be a little bit of that going on, you know. You might not be on a commune um, poisoning your enemies, but... 
you may be practicing a system that um, that is really to empower the leader of that system and not really empower the student. Food for thought. I've gone a little over my time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go, let this go. Um, if if you'd like to read, I write a lot. I also have an email list, so join my email list or um, go to my website, laurenburkart.com. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I fantasize about quitting all the time, so maybe I'm not on Facebook by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? Um, I've been doing the, the death meditation, contemplating death five times a day, and it's been very interesting. I've been writing about it, and um, if you have thoughts, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about it. But thank you for listening. If, you, if you'd like to leave me, um, I'm on iTunes now. I figured it out. <laughs> if you would like, please leave me a review a good review. If you want to leave me a bad review, just tell me. I'd love to discuss our uh, your opinions. <laughs> now I'm rambling. All right. Have a great week. See you later.